0: you remain seated, but Psalm 51 is where we're going to use as our text tonight in our uh, message, and I've entitled our message tonight again as we're looking forward to our revival, the path to not just revival, but personal revival, and I hope that this is something that uh, strikes a chord with you. I know I I want God to do a work in my heart, and as I begin to think about this matter of revival and you study the Word of God, the prayers that you find in the Bible for revival oftentimes are what we call corporate prayers. Uh, That would be like a a church prayer. Uh, They are group-type prayers. Uh, You find examples of this there in your introduction and your outline. Psalm 85 verse 6, wilt thou revive us again? Notice that thy people may rejoice in thee. Corporate. Second Chronicles 7, 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Corporate. Habakkuk 3, and verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years in the midst of the years make known in wrath remember mercy but when we come to Psalm 51 and if you're familiar with it Psalm 51 is a psalm that God gives to us where David before this had gotten himself into serious trouble there was grievous sin in David's life the Bible records we won't take the time to go back but in a time where uh, there were still battles to be won and fought. A time where they were going to war. Back in those days, kings would lead into battle. But the Bible records that David made a choice. He tarried, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. He stayed home instead of going where he should have been. And oftentimes, I think, just like David in this instance, we... We don't think that the simple neglect of something is a big deal. That's what David did. He neglected his duty, his responsibility. And, And we don't think that it's a big deal sometimes when we miss our Bible reading. We don't think it's a big deal when we miss our prayer time. We don't think it's a big deal to miss church. Or we don't think it's a big deal sometimes to not tithe or give to missions. We think those things as we categorize them, are minor sins, just little things, that there's no significance to them. David missed his opportunity to do what God had called him to do. And all of those things that I just mentioned to you, our Bible reading, our prayer, our giving, our church attendance, all of those things are what God has given us to do. Certainly, we face battles every day, and all of those things will help us as the battles come. Many, many times, we think those things are minor, like David. So what did he do? He stayed at home, and you know what happened. David was up on his rooftop, and he looked, and he saw a woman. The Bible records that he gave instruction. He was the king that he wanted her. And Of course, we know the story that he lusted in his heart for her. He called to have her brought to him, and word later on, after a very serious act between him and this woman, word came to David later on that she was with child, that she was going to have a child by him. The first thing that crosses David's mind is she's married. And David knew her husband, Uriah, Uriah was a good man. Uriah was loyal to David. Uriah was out in the battle fighting for David. while well, David did what he did. And you know the scheme. David basically sets up the whole scene where the troops pull back from Uriah and Uriah's life is taken. Because of David's decision with this woman, Bathsheba, her husband, dies and David, of course, through his deception, murders Uriah. And David thinks, now that Uriah's gone, he thinks all is well. Until Nathan showed up. Now, there's no prophets today, but we have a Holy Spirit. That when we do something, the Holy Spirit, like Nathan, the prophet, will show us, Thou art the man. This is something in your life, something in my life, that does not belong in the life of a Christian. And that's that's what brings us to Psalm 51, David's sin is exposed. This psalm is all about David coming back to God. Aren't you glad that we can come back to God? Aren't you glad that God can forgive us? That even after sin in our lives, all can be well? Now, there's always the scars. There's always things that happened along the way. David, in his heart, was backslidden. His heart was filled with deception, lies, murder, adultery. Psalm 51, David pours his heart out in what many times we refer to as the sinner's prayer. He pours his heart out. By the end of Psalm 51, here's the result of pouring his heart out to God. Here it is. He experienced personal revival. And I want you to learn what God taught me this week from this psalm in the life of David. Because what's interesting is, I searched this psalm, and you know what you don't find in this psalm? You don't find David praying for revival. Let me say that again. David in Psalm 51 never prayed for revival. You know what he prayed for? Cleansing. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, was his prayer. He didn't say, God, bring revival. He said, God, I've done something that I should not have done, and it's been found out. My sin is exposed. And so what he prays for is cleansing, and revival will come personally when we get clean with God. Hosea 10 and verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. That's personal revival. Personal revival is a cleansing. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Ye double-minded, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. Personal revival. It doesn't come through praying. Personal revival comes through purifying. That's how a person has personal revival. Many are willing to as we want to do, many are praying for revival, but are we praying and are we willing to get clean with God? That's what David had to do. David experienced personal revival because he was willing to come clean with God. Until that happens, prayer's useless. Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Prayer. Listen, when we think about what this psalm says, personal revival will never come until you and I get clean with God. There's no bar of soap that you can take a bath in. It is saying, like David said, God, I'm tired of the sin in my life, and I acknowledge my sin before you. Psalm 51, as we look at it tonight, it gives us some steps. Matter of fact, there are five of them that these steps lead to personal purity. They are steps that ultimately will lead to personal revival. Notice the first step in Psalm 51. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy lovingkindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Notice what David says again, he says, according to the multitude, he says, God, you just don't have one mercy for me, the multitude of thy tender mercies. Verse number three, he says, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David's not making an attempt here to cover up his sins. David's not blaming other people, uh, you know acting like uh, his sin is not there. And if we're not careful, what happens is, is that over time, our conscience becomes very hard. Sometimes the Bible mentions that our conscience is even seared. That's what happened to David. To a point, David didn't even see that what he did with Bathsheba was sin. His conscience was hardened. And the Bible says in Hebrews 3, today if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We need a tender heart. You know why? Because we live in a filthy world. And we have to have that tenderness so that The filth of our lives, we can get the dirt out of our lives. Look, until that dirt is removed from our lives, God can never get to our hearts. God doesn't use dirty vessels. Look at verse 17. Here's what God says that he's impressed with. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God Thou wilt not despise. God says, that's what I pay attention to. See, David, you, yes, you did what you did. But see, God sees us for who we are, and he knew that David's heart was broken. God took note of that as David approached him with a tender conscience. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen: the Lord is nigh unto them, that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. See, if we're going to have personal revival, how's that going to happen? The first step to personal revival is approaching God with a tender conscience. But notice the second step. There must be an asking for a thorough cleansing. Thorough cleansing. Go back to Psalm 51, look at verse 2. David says, wash me, notice the word, thoroughly, or your Bible might say throughly, from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Drop down to verse number seven. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse nine, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. You know, when you read these words, to me, it's evident David's not asking for a partial purity. The Bible uses this word here where he says, wash me thoroughly. Now, I I began to look at that, and then I, I actually got out a couple other Bibles, and I went into Brother Kenny's office and Brother Chris's, and I I grabbed their Bibles and I pulled them out, and they're, they're like looking at me like, Pastor, what are you looking at all these Bibles for? When you look at your Bible there and you look at verse number two, how many of your Bibles say T H O R O U G H? Raise your hands. T H O R, okay? Now put your hands down. How many of your Bibles say T H R O U? Uh huh. It's about almost about half. And, you know, I, I, I'm just curious. I, I Look, remember how God talks about that every jot and tittle, that everything? And I, I thought to myself, now why is that? Because the Bibles that I looked at, they were all King James Version Bibles. And you have to understand that in the 1611 translation from the original languages to the English language, that that was written in the English of Of the king 's English during a time of the Renaissance, and of course, many of those words are considered to be archaic type words not not necessarily outdated because if you look at anything during that period, for instance, Shakespeare, many people believe that 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 is masterful pieces of work, and so we find that there are certain words even in our Bible that some of the even the, the King James versions want to change. A little bit. For instance, you might see in your Bible the word show, and some Bibles will say S-H-O-W, and some will say S-H-E-W. Uh, some Bibles will use the word establish, S-T-A-B-L, uh, establish, all right? I won't spell it for you tonight, but some other Bibles might say establish with an E. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I got curious, about this thoroughly and throughly. So I spent a little time studying it. By the way, the Bible tells us that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily. That's what I was doing. I thought I'm gonna look this up and study this out a little bit more because some Bibles use the word thoroughly and some Bibles use the word throughly and there is a difference. The difference is that the word thoroughly, T-H-O-R-U-G-H-L-Y, literally carries this understanding from the outside in. But if you look at the word throughly, it actually is a word dealing with working from the inside out. How many of you think that's a difference? Because one is from the outside in, and the other one is from the inside out. Now, when God saves us and God changes us, Does he change us from the outside in? No, he changes us from the inside out. So whenever I look at this, I notice here that he uses the word throughly. This matter of inside out, throughly is a deep, complete, penetrating action. What was David saying when he says, wash me throughly? David was saying to God, Lord, don't just scrape off the stuff on the outside of my life. He says, God, do a work in here. Sometimes I get in discussions with people, and again, it's, it, we all have the Holy Spirit of God, right, as Christians? And sometimes people say to me, well, Pastor, I, I just think that, you know, we could wear this, and why do you wear this? And look, people want to get into all those discussions. And, and you know, people say, well, I just don't see in the Bible where it says this and where... And sometimes that's true. But I am a firm believer in what the Word of God teaches. That as we are saved, God's work begins on the inside and it manifests itself on the outside. For instance, can you see a person getting saved? Have you ever seen... Now, maybe you've been there when somebody prays and trusts Christ, but can you see salvation? You can't. Why? Because where does it take place? In the heart. But when somebody goes through that baptismal pool, that is an outward expression of what has taken place on the inside. When I looked at this word, I thought, what a neat study. What a neat thought here. David says, look, I I don't want to just put on some new clothes. God, I want you to change me in here. Because if I'm changed in here, then everything will be different out here. That's what he's saying here. He says, I want you to go all the way, watch this, through me. Wash me thoroughly.' And so here he is in the depths of his heart. David's not praying for a surface cleansing. How many of you have kids? Even if they're grown. You ever give your kids a job to clean something? And you tell them what you want to clean, the garage, the room. And they come out and you're like, did you clean? Yes, I did. And what do kids do? They surface clean. You find stuff, all kinds of stuff after they're done. And you're like, excuse me, go clean that again. Do it the way it was supposed to be done. And David says, look, God, I don't want to just have some little bitty, you know, fix up here. I want you to do a, a complete work in my life from the inside out. Proverbs 28, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You know what we need to decide before we have this revival meeting? We need to decide that we're going to take God's side in this matter on our sin. You know why? Because God already knows what our sin is. God knows what's in our hearts. Confession, you know the word, we oftentimes talk about it. It carries the idea of agreeing with God when it comes to our sin. We might as well agree with him because God already knows it. So often when we confess our sin, you know what we're doing? We're not taking God's side, we're taking our side. When it comes to confession, we blame others sometimes. I've heard it. Children blame their parents. And that may be true to a point. But when a child becomes an adult, starts making their own decisions, they can't blame their parents. They're making those decisions. The Bible tells us that we shouldn't blame others. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, we agree with God about our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? From all. Psalm 139, search me. Notice, not my spouse. Search me, O God. Know my heart, not my neighbor's. He says, look at this, try me, know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David just didn't want to surface cleansing in his life. He wanted God to point out everything that was wrong in his life. You know why? Because he was asking for a thorough cleansing. Now notice this next step because once we approach God with a tender conscience and once we ask God for a thorough cleansing, then we see there was an admission in transparent confession. Look at verse number 4 at David's admission here. Look at it. Look at the words, Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Do you get what David is saying there? David saying it's me it's me O oh Lord standing in the need of prayer Look all sin you might sin against somebody you might you might sin against your parents but ultimately all sin is against God David makes an admission here. He is transparent. He's confessing with God. Look, in his life, he's looking back. He's thinking about all the mess that he made in other people's lives in the process. And he's thinking about all the pain that he caused to all the people that he ran over as a king. And people were already dead. And some people were going to die because of David's sin. We know what happened to the child of David and Bathsheba. But David recognizes in his life, first and foremost, I have got to get right with God. That's where he's at. I think sometimes we've we've been taught to tell partial truths, not to reveal everything. Can I give you a couple verses that if you want to think that you can dance around and sweep things under the rug and no one will ever know. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill the heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Psalm 90, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. O God, thou knowest my foolishness and my sins are not Hid from thee. If we have forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a strange god, shall not God search this out? For He knoweth the secrets of the heart. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye shall uh, ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear and closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Look Look at Psalm 139, whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Have you been transparent with God? Because again, God knows. I remember one time I was traveling I I traveled to the Midwest to see my my parents and we at the time years ago and we we had uh we had some pets and I had this one dog that that I loved and my mom, she always acted like she didn't like dogs, but I think she took a liking to this dog that that we had and And little did I know that when I left to go do something, I came back to my mom's house, it was time for me to leave to go to the airport, and so I grabbed my my backpack, and I went to the airport, and you know how you go through the screening, you put your bag there, and it goes through the the thing, and they, they kind of can see what's in the bag, and so the bag comes out, and I'm waiting to grab it, and somebody says, is this your bag? And I said, yes, it is. They said, step over here with me. I knew what was in my bag. I thought, what are they? You know, so I thought, well, it's just maybe a mistake, and I get over there, and they're rifling through, digging through my backpack, and they're looking and looking, and I thought, I don't know what you're looking for, but there's nothing in there. You know, it's always embarrassing because they want to pull out your personal things, right in front of everybody. You know, and uh, and so she's digging around, and she finally unzips this little bitty zipper up by the handle on my backpack, and she pulls something out of there, and I. I kind of looked at her, and I was like, what is that? I didn't put that in there. She said, this yours? And I said, well, it's my bag. She goes, well, did you put this? I said, no, ma'am. And so come to find out what it was, was it was some dog treats. And I, 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 she let me go, and she says, we're going to have to keep these. And I said, you can have them. Eat them, you know. And, and I got to the gate and, I, and I, I think I called my wife and I was telling her, I said, strangest thing. I've... And then, I don't know if she said it or I thought about it and I thought, you know, so I called my mom's house. I said, mom, did you put something in my bag? She goes, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I put some dog treats in there for your dog. I said, gee, I want to I thank you <laughs> from the bottom of my heart. Now I thought I was being transparent with the agents at the airport. But the reality is there was something there. I think sometimes even in our lives we become calloused and we think that we've told God everything, but sometimes there's something that maybe we've overlooked. Something we haven't thought about in a while. We've forgotten about it. And listen, sometimes what happens is is that our conscience becomes dull. We don't see it as sin. But that's not what I see in Psalm 51. David isn't hiding anything, he makes an admission. Notice the fourth step to personal revival. David then moves to an agreement, to total conformity. Not partial, total conformity. Look what it says in verse number 10 of Psalm 51. Here's what he says: Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I love these words here in these three verses. The words create. The word renew. The words cast me not away. Restore. Uphold. David, you know what he realized? I'm just a lump of clay. God's the one that created me and And somehow along the way, I fell off the potter's wheel. God was trying to do something in my life, trying to shape me into what he wanted me to be. And David was placing himself here. When he makes this agreement with God, he puts himself back into the hand of the potter as as if to say, God, make me again. Take my life and turn me into what you want. But can I tell you that if personal revival is going to come in our lives God can't make us again if there's dirt in the clay, if it's not pure. If there hasn't been an agreement to conform to what God would have to our lives, we will never be for God what we ought to be until the contamination is out of our lives. Once we are cleansed, once we are clean, then we can say, okay, God, now make me, restore me, uphold me. You see, God wants to shape us and mold us into all that he's designed us to be. Romans 9, thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? when we get these contaminants out of our lives, you know what's going to happen? We're going to delight to do God's will. We're going to say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Paul said it this way, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If we're just going to have a surface cleaning, which is not what David won for his life, We're never going to do the will of God for our lives. So I find the fourth step to personal revival is an agreement to total conformity. But look at the last step David takes here to help us on the road to personal revival. There was an awakening to a trusting confidence. David found himself in verse 13. Look at this. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Here, David's realizing that when his heart is clean, that he is willing to be shaped into God's will for his life, and he realizes that as a result of his life being in tune with God's will, here's what's going to happen, that sinners will be converted and God will be glorified. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible mentions here in a great house there were not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some vessels to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified meat for the master's use prepared unto every good work. Did you notice how Paul is writing to young Timothy and notice he uses the word there, if any man therefore purge himself from these. There it is again, that cleansing. The whole reason that our church and churches like ours exist is to teach and to train people that it is our responsibility to reach the lost before it's eternally too late to tell people about the love of God. And we will never reach this world, listen, until we are clean with God. God will not use us. He cannot use us. We'll struggle with the will of God. We'll struggle with having contentment from God, having peace with God, having the joy of thy salvation. So if you think about revival, and I think a lot of times people have just different ideas that may not be founded in the Word of God, what would revival look like? I think sometimes we think that maybe an evangelist coming and preaching the Word of God, people get saved, that's revival. And certainly those are things that we might see. Some people might follow the Lord and believers' baptism, attendance might be up because of revival, maybe the services were exciting, people began going out and witnessing, all of those things might be the effect of revival in a person's heart. Maybe the offerings were were larger than they've been, but what would personal revival look like? I think there's a good snapshot of it here in Psalm 51, because David clearly shows us here that revival is not something that takes place in the palace. Revival is something that takes place in a person. There was a change in David's life. Revival hadn't come to the kingdom. Revival came to the king. So, as I look at this, David experienced something that I want to experience as personal revival. I wonder tonight is there something in your life, in your heart, that you haven't come clean with to God? Not to others. David said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. I wonder if you want personal revival in your life. We're about to take one of the two ordinances that Jesus gave to the church, and that is to observe the matter of the Lord's table. It's a great time, as we think of Psalm 51, to search our hearts and see if there be any wicked way in me and if there is we should ask god to wash us throughly not clean up the outside when we get right on the inside i believe the outside will take care of itself would you bow your heads with me tonight as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and We're thinking about this psalm and thinking about the revival coming up and, of course, the Lord's table that we'll observe here in just a few moments. I want you to think about what David did that brought him to the point that Nathan had to come to him. And certainly, I'm no Nathan, but I'll tell you this, that God's Holy Spirit can come to us and convict us. God's Holy Spirit can point things out in our lives. And for just a few moments tonight, before we turn towards the Lord's table, I want to ask you to search your heart. And if there is something in your life between you and God, would you make it right tonight? Say, Lord, I want to have personal revival. Oh, it's wonderful that God would revive his work. But my prayer tonight is, God revive me. And so as the piano plays, let's stand to our feet tonight. The altar's open. Would you come tonight and spend maybe a few moments with the Lord? Get on your face before God. Nobody knows why you're coming. They don't know what's in your heart, but God does. What a great opportunity. The Bible tells us as we approach the table that each one of us need to examine our lives. And as we do, nobody else knows but God does. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. And if God does a washing, his washing is thorough. If you're no longer on the potter's wheel, somewhere along the way you've become indifferent, cold, calloused. Why don't you pray where you're at or here at the altar tonight. Lord, do a work in my heart. Cleanse me. Use me.